morning show. Sports Night 590 The Band. Ben Adams, Brent Gunning, and I know the calendar says November, still it might as well mm-hmm. be like Christmas Day every day until Christmas Day. It just feels like Christmas. Not Christmas Day. Maybe that's too far. Sure. Way too far, just for the record. But it, it feels very Christmassy. Like, I was at the mall on Friday. It's, yeah. it's full on Christmas, as you can imagine. I got my snow tires. Yeah. Like, I, it's just, it, it feels like the middle of winter. Tree up? Oh, yeah, tree went okay. up this weekend. I feel like you kind of, like, that's a big part of it. Like, I, you're listed off yes, this. Yeah, if you're going to talk that, about yeah. the Christmas season and you going, I got my winter tires. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you, Jack Frost? Like, Honestly, what's going on here? To me, that is the bigger indication than the tree. Yeah, also, the tree is up, okay? Well, again, just like if we're going to channel our inner Frank Cervelli and be as serious about this as possible, it's like, what would be the point of Christmas if you weren't safe, Ben? So I'm happy of your winter tires on. Th- thanks, buddy. Uh, I, I actually tried to put – so my neighbor puts his winter tires on himself. He was in the driveway the oh, other day. okay. We're going to spend I was 15 about minutes to, on this. I was about to pull out of my driveway to go drive to the, you know, the yeah. local – Yeah, we actually discussed the exact place. The place that yeah. does it for a nominal fee. Very, very – for the record, like – very nominal. Yeah, and I was like, oh, and I actually went to it. I was like, you really like you're, you're emasculating you're me. Like, I'm I'm gonna try this myself. And I I took all the lug nuts off the the, the wow. passenger side front tire, and then I couldn't pull the tire. And, and I was so like, you just drove. To oh, the I just put the lug nuts right back on, and I was like, <laughs> out the driveway I went. Oh my goodness! Over to the place for the nominal fee. I I I think you'll agree with me. That is so much worse than just driving yep. to like. Oh, that, yeah. that that manly oh, yes. that manly man on your cul-de-sac or wherever you no, live. He's right next right, okay. right next door to me. Next yeah. door neighbor. That manly man living next door. Yep. Imagine what he thinks of you now. If oh, you just don't try, yeah. I feel like it's like, yeah, that guy knows. No, I, I think he I don't think he can think any less of me because okay. it's not the That's, first time like he, he's seen me attempt to do some sort of like Home repair. Well, he's got, and then I, walked over with his tools and was like, hey, do you want me to do that do correctly? That, yeah, don't do that. And I was like, yeah. Please. Like, I, <laughs> I've got no illusions of what's happening how here. Does, how does that happen? Like, how are people, how are people manly like that? Uh, genetics. Because... Upbringing. I, as I told you what happened with me when I bought... Actually, I don't know if I told this story on air, so I'll make it super quick. We had our washing machine break. Had to buy a new one. It's going to be a couple days until the installer could come in. And then my wife said, oh, do I just, do I need to get my dad to come do it? Mm. To which I said, no, 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 you do not. I'll do it myself. Mm -hmm. And I did do it myself. Good for you. Yeah, but. Oh, so you told a story that made you seem manly? But what I was going to say is that, you know, when a real repair happens, like a stair broke in my house, going to my basement. And that one, I wasn't taking on. That one. Father-in-law came in and saved the day. So I also am not manly, like panned up. Yeah. Not a, I mean, I'm a man's man because I like football and beer. Yeah. But not a man's man because of like a power saw or something. Yeah. I, I like to, to, again, make an effort, but I, I know my own limitations. I know when I'm beat a and, quick, and that tire had me beat. Just one last quick fatherdom thing. Do you yeah. feel, you know, you're raising two boys. I have a young child, young young boy myself. Do you feel like it made you like with the presence of young men to mold, did it, does it make you feel like you have to be like, at least try more? Yeah. Cause I definitely am like, Hmm, I don't, I have to find some, I've been, the things I've been looking around my house that would be easy to fix, but that involve 
a tool of some sort. Uh-huh. I am actually actively on the hunt. My, oh, there's a loose screw. Come on, son. Yeah. Let's go fix it. So I, I don't know. I just like, I need to be better. I'm happy you brought this up because I'm right there with you. I wouldn't have even tried though. So maybe I, uh, again, I don't know if that's better or worse. I, I, think better. I think you're right that it's worse. No, I think it's, it's worse. And yeah, I mean, you want to talk about where this comes from and the, how did the manly man? End? Well, yeah, my neighbor fixing or replacing, changing his his tires was surrounded by his two young boys who yeah, were like, course. yeah, getting the yeah. knowledge passed after them. Uh, and yeah, I think the the lack of manliness continues down my lineage because my boys were looking out the window I'm, and daddy attempting to I'm remove hoping, a tire. I'm hoping I can suck like a sponge some manliness from my father-in-law yeah. uh, to, to bleed into my Me too, line. my neighbor. Yeah. All right, let's Fingers go. crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, that we will update you uh, in our time together in our quest for manliness. Uh, Maybe the Maple Leafs can look like a a, a capable Speaking hockey team. Speaking of quest for man, no, that wasn't it. No, no. Uh, <laughs> they return from Sweden to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they promptly lose back to back games against the Blackhawks and Penguins. Blackhawks uh, blowing a lead, Penguins mm-hmm. giving up a lead. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much to talk about surrounding this team. We'll get to the Mitch Marner of it all, who feels like, man, we've gone through. It's really easy to identify who the whipping boy oh, yeah. various spots in the season have yes. been. I mean, it started off with Max Domi. Remember that feels like 100 years ago? I was, I was Tyler actually, Bertuzzi. I was going to say, it was really Tyler Bertuzzi it's, for me. But it was both of them, yeah, but it was totally. also Max Domi until he found yeah. a, a, a home on that third line. Mm-hmm. And then we, John Klingberg, for sure, yeah. and Ryan Reeves, and the goaltending, and now it's clearly Mitch Marner. We'll get to that. But Toronto Maple Leafs at this point have five Regulation wins, that's the same number as the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's one more than the San Jose Sharks, Chicago Blackhawks, and Minnesota Wild, who are all going through their own various levels of incompetence. Yeah. How concerning is that? I Granted, like, there's a couple of games in hand here, mm-hmm. but not like a ton. Nope. Five. They, they played like 20 games, 17, but they, they, they played lots of games here. To only have five regulation wins as we approach December, slightly concerning. Yeah, it's incredibly concerning. Like, I would love to sit here and tell you, no, 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 this, that, and the third. There are, there is more than enough talent on this team to paper over the problems that they have this year. That is why you are seeing the results they've had this year. If they didn't have the four or five stars they have to paper over this, quite honestly, let's not even talk about the four or five stars. Let's just talk about one. If they didn't have William Nylander to paper over the start to this season, we'd be talking about a very different the way this year is going. Now, I think the important thing is that I don't think this is some broken group that can't be fixed. I think this is a team that had... I wanted to say cataclysmic, but I don't think we're quite there yet, but massive overhauls, both in terms of Mm. at the front office level, you saw the quotes coming out about Kyle Dubas and what a departure it was for the team. And then there was a massive overhaul to half of this team. There is still enough talent here and enough kind of connectivity throughout that, that they should be able to bide themselves enough time to figure this out. And that's the difference between the start they've had and the start the Oilers have had. But it is concerning that they have not been able to. How long have we just been sitting here waiting for them to have the run of two, three weeks where they look like the team they're supposed to look like? And it hasn't happened. Forget two, three. I'd take one. Leafs, uh, 19 games played this season. So the Oilers have played now 20 after their win yesterday. Oilers have six regulation wins. The Oilers have uh, one more regulation win 
than your Toronto Maple Leafs. Again, we'll get to some of the like minutia of what's going on here and specifically what's going on with Mitch Marner. But to me, Brent, it does feel more and more like, and barring some massive overhaul at the deadline, which could be coming, and barring some incredible run from, I guess, the top line. But, I mean, again, like the counting statistics are there, especially for Austin Matthews and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know they've come in bunches and uh, the the six of them in the first two games. Yeah, (laughs) the fallow times have been very fallow, but it does feel like this Leafs team is not going to rack up 115 points this season. Their best hope is to do what the Florida Panthers did a season ago, eke their way into the playoffs is going to be nip and tuck all the way into the postseason. And then when they get there, hope that they get this this incredible run of hockey that it happens then, Mm -hmm. because I just I do not see the path with this group considering its limitations, that they're going to be that team that, as we mentioned at the beginning of the season, was supposed to be one of the favorites in the Atlantic Division. I I don't see it. I see two paths. I think one of them is very plausible. I won't won't go as far as say likely because we haven't seen it yet, but I think very plausible. And the other one, I think, is the crapshoot we've all talked about. I'll start with the crapshoot. It's the goaltending. The goaltending has been bad this year. It's not. It's not been nuclear Jack Campbell, Stuart Skinner bad. But if they didn't exist, we'd be talking about how bad this this tandem has been. You know, we can just look at eye test stuff, and there always seems to be one goal a night where you say, "Yeah, God, you hate that." And for a team, again, we don't think of the Leafs this way, but for a team that struggles to score, having one goal a night where you wish you could have it back, that's going to kill you. And then you can even just look at the fancy stats. Uh, it was the it's expected goals above or it's goal expected goals above expected and the Leafs are I believe six last in the NHL five teams worse than the Leafs in that statistic neither guy has got going on a run you've had fleeting moments one game here one game there from each guy so that is the reason that I think that it's possible that can turn around because I think goaltending is a I mean, it's voodoo, for lack of a better term. And these guys have not been so terrible that I think they've lost it. But they also haven't shown me anything to think they're going to snap out of it at any moment and be the best versions of themselves you've seen. The other thing is that, and again, like we're going to talk a lot about Mitch Marner today. He didn't forget how to play hockey. Mm -hmm. That top line didn't forget how to play well together. We've seen it even this season. And I mean the version of it we're seeing now with Nyes, Matthews, and Marner. So we do go through this with each of the top two lines for, I don't know, three to five weeks in, in varying bunches throughout the season where we go, ah, what's wrong with these guys? They can't play together. You got to flip the wingers. That, I believe, will turn itself around. The top line, I'm not worried about that as much. And once they get rolling, we have seen what that does. We've seen Nylander be able to carry this team and paper them over. So the reason that I have, I think the reason you have to look at it with the most optimistic optimism is that that top line isn't going to look like this. Like I refuse to believe they just forgot how to play those guys. That trio had good moments in the playoffs last year, the goaltending that we can have much more of a debate on because I mean, anybody who tells you they're certain one way or another about Leafs goaltending, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, so let's hit both of those things. Let's yes. start with the top line. Again, Mitch Marner is the guy in the crosshairs right now. For and, sure. And Sheldon Keefe will tell you he's got the most five-on-five five points on the team. So He'll make a point of it. Okay, we'll get to that. But let's let's start before Saturday's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins with this quote about Mitch Marner's game so far this season through at that point 18 games. Just not executing at the level you'd expect from Mitch. At times he's had it. I thought after being challenged after the second period last night, that line, and Mitch in particular, had a better third period and showed some positive signs. But no doubt, Mitch hasn't found his groove here yet. That after the top line was 
very notable, minus two, against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they proceeded to lose in regulation to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and yet a- another game going wanting for Mitch Marner, who only has points in two of his last seven games. Mm-hmm. Here is Sheldon Keefe about Mitch Marner after the Penguins' loss. Well, guys want to score. Guys want to win. You know, um, I thought that line was good today. That's interesting, right? We're on. We're getting all sorts of questions about these guys. And, <clears throat> you know, I think I think we all agree that they could, you know, they can play better. They've set such a high standard. They can play better. But yet here we are, you know, uh, one of the many reports I get before every game. I'm reading through them here before the game. And I look at one of them I look at is our five on five scoring this season. And at the top of the list is Mitch Marner. So, guy here that we say is, you know, hasn't played his best hockey and has all the hardest matchups every single night, yet is at the top of our team in five on five scoring. So it's interesting how it all works out. Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll stay with, stay building our group and building our game, but uh, let's, let's let's not pile on the negatives here. I gotta say, when I first saw this quote. Yep. written out. I was like, oh, we're back to the Coyotes game and mm-hmm. the like calling out of the top players and yep. then the walking it back yep. mere moments later. I was like, oh, this is somebody in his ear. Mm-hmm. But you actually watch the post game. One, it's not like the first thing that is brought up. It's also, the last. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a direct question and there is still like it's, it's yeah, it's trying to soften the blow and it's giving us evidence to 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 l- take our foot off the, yep. the Mitch Marner criticism gas pedal. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, there, there are still, like, obvious things that he's saying that are critical of Mitch Marner, and, and pretty clearly he has not lived up to the billing uh, for the majority of this season. I I, I, I thought there was a lot of truth to it. I, it just felt more organic, and it did not, it did not uh, ring the same way, again, last season when Sheldon Keefe was on the hot seat. T- walking back mm-hmm. comments that were critical of Mitch Marner. When I first saw this, I was like, oh, Mitch Marner is upset and you have to take some of the pressure off him. I feel, I think this is actually very interesting. I don't think this is all that black and white. I think there is a ton of gray area here. Obviously, we all remember the walking back of comments. And yes, there was the Coyotes game, but there was also two years ago, the New York Rangers game when he called them the worst thing you could ever call a hockey team. Soft and purposeless. And the fact that that criticism was levied at a group of players, not one, and it was walked back, that was what made me not like it collectively, you all should be able to take the daggers for sure. Now, the other thing that this made me think of a lot is the comments that not Sheldon Keefe, but that William Nylander has made in the past about how he needs to be coached. He needs to stick sometimes. He's been adamant about that. Yeah, I need it. I need it to get me going, whether that means he's going to talk bad about me in the media, whether that means he's going to take me off the power play, bump me down in the lineup, whatever it is. Nylander has been open and honest about that. Guess what? Different people respond to different things. And as much as I, maybe me, and I let's let's be honest, I bet a lot of you out there would love to hear Sheldon Key for somebody rip his star players and not soft pedal it, not couch it in, but they're doing a lot of things. Just be honest. Do the old Rick bonus of I hated everything I saw out there. But also be honest with yourself. Now, we don't know him, but we know a bit about him. What part are you? And I don't mean you, but I mean the royal you out there thinks Mitch Marner would respond overly well to super harsh pointed mm. public criticism. 
Do we not remember? And again, I'm not even going to kill him for this, but he got benched for a shift and he went down and threw a temper tantrum and smashed his stick last season, okay? Which is fine. You're allowed to be competitive. You're allowed to be angry. But if he responds that to missing one shift in a game, how is he going to deal with a overarching, brutal, clubbing public criticism from his coach? It's not the way to go about it. Would it feel good to hear? Oh, my God, it would feel good to hear. But I really don't think that's the right way to go about it for that player. I really don't. Well, also, there's no there's no alternatives right now, right? Like, there's this is not the time, I don't think, and I mean, I guess I could be wrong as, as soon as, well, today, if the Maple Leafs are on the ice, although I, I think they're off today before the game on Tuesday against the Florida Panthers. But I don't think this is the time that you're going to break up Matthews and Marner because the options are limited right now, and I don't think you want to break up the second line where Tyler Bertuzzi's really got it going yep. with John Tavares and William Nylander. So the, the 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 fits are not obvious, and the idea of, of moving Mitch Marner down into a third-line role seems like, I mean, when you're talking about a guy who responds better to the carrot or the stick, that seems like a pretty serious stick to be giving to, to Mitch Marner if that's what you're doing. Yeah. It just it does not feel like you're going away from this, and you're just what, I mean, the Maple Leafs are doing in a lot of areas, crossing your fingers that it's eventually going to turn around. I just, I don't see this being the point in the season, and I know over the course of their entire tenure, they've gone in and out of times where they've played next to each other. It just does not feel like this moment Mm -hmm. in time, considering how long it it, it felt like Tyler Bertuzzi was looking to find a home, finally finding one, William Nylander looking like the best player on the team that you're going to mess with that. And then outside of the second line, where is the fit for Mitch Marner? Just does not seem like there's an obvious resting place for him if it's not next to Austin Matthews. No, I mean, he's got to be he's got to be a top six guy. Like, the idea the idea of, like, a Max Domi, Mitch Marner, Kelly Yarncroft third line with Nick Robertson yeah, up no there thanks. with Matthews, I don't think that's going to be it's going to be happening. The other, the other thing I was thinking about with this is that, you know, and sometimes it's been overstated. Uh, if I hear the term the Marner point from that 47-goal Tavares season uh, one more time again, I'm going to lose my mind. So at times it gets overstated how much he is the one that gets everybody else going. But that has been extremely true at various, a lot of different times in his Leafs career of, okay, this guy's not going well, let's put Mitch with him. Austin's not going well, let's get Mitch back with him. The problem is, is that, and hey, he scored 30 goals in this league, so it's not that he is a purely set-up guy. But he's a disher. He is a setup guy. When you're that type of player, generally speaking, other people don't get you going. You get the other people going. So that's the other thing I look at. And I don't look at this as a super harsh criticism of Austin Matthews. He has his own criticisms. But Marner has lifted you up and been able to get you going at various times when you have not been playing your best. And if this is a true... Not even 1A, 1B. There's a 1 and there's a 2. Mm-hmm. But if this is a true partnership, he's got to find a way to get Matthew or Marner going a little bit. When you're a, let's just set the bar way lower than what either of those guys make. When you're a $10 million player, that's your job. If you're playing with other skilled guys, you have to find a way to get guys going. So Marner's been that guy for a lot of players on this team throughout his tenure. I think it's fair to say he needs somebody to do that for him. And honestly, it could be as simple as just shooting one in the net off a nothing pass from him, getting some cookies and having him feeling good about himself. It could be as simple as that. It's not that Austin Matthews has to turn up, turn himself into a setup man and give Marner, you know, backdoor tap-ins to make him feel good. It, it just they just need to see it go in. And, and I do think it's fair to say that Marner's Marner's been that guy for so many people on this team. He needs somebody to do it for him now. What's the right 
amount of criticism that should be levered, levied towards Austin Matthews, who is still one goal off yep. the National Hockey League league, but also has points in only one of his last six games. By the way, P- Pittsburgh game, first game all season, that none of the core four guys have found the back of the net. This is a guy that, like, again, counting stats are there. Mm-hmm. Goal scoring has been extreme. Yep. Uh, it's been exceed- extremely top loaded yep. with a couple of hat tricks to start a season. But yeah, I mean, all he has to do is point, is say scoreboard, or mm. I guess he would say hockeyreference.com right. <laughs> to indicate what what type of a season he's having. But yeah, you, you look with your eyeballs, yeah. your well, peepers, and just the consistency of that top line. And it's not just Mitch Marner, it's Austin Matthews. Well, if you're going to, if you're going to do scoreboard, you also have to look at the score of the game when you're on the ice at five on five and they've you, been outscored. That's the problem. And look, if you have, you know, if, we don't say Austin Matthews Selkie, and I think that's because he scores too many goals. Like, he would get the fake Selkie push occasionally. if, mm. it, Like, not that he deserves it. I want to be very clear about that. Yeah. But we would do the thing, kind of like we did last year, when he only scored 40, where we go, ah, but he's really good defensively. And Mitch Marner, we call we say it all the time. It's like, it, it much like Jake McCabe's official name is Jake McCabe, who makes $2 million because his salary is retained. It's Mitch Marner, Selkie-level defensive winger. It's what we call him. Mm. You got two guys on that line. Forget what you can do offensively. Mm-hmm. If you have two great defensive players, David Camp shouldn't be getting outscored at five-on-five because five he's so good defensively. And David Camp can't do what half of what those guys can do offensively. That is the jarring part about this is that it'd be one thing if the offense just wasn't finding its way for these two. You go through stretches like this, but that they're getting outscored at five on five for two guys who, Mm -hmm. again, I don't want to say they completely pride themselves on it, but it is a part of who they are. The thing we always bring up when we talk about, you know, when we have our uh, like three, every three years, "Eh, are we sure Matthews isn't there with McDavid conversation? Mm -hmm. The reason why we have it is because he's a complete player and you can't some of its goaltending some of it sure but you cannot be outscored this deep into the season at five on five and say you're playing your best hockey there's no way you can especially when yeah. you have the talent that they do it's not like they're getting buried they're no, getting scored by one goal but yeah this is also again a guy that leads the national hockey league or was is one off the National Hockey League lead in goal scoring for his line to be outscored by a goal uh, after last season, outscoring opponents by more than 20 at five on five. Um, yeah, it's not a great blue line. They're going to the make a comp- hasn't been great either. They're but. going to make by the time Marner signs his next contract, they're going to be making nearly combined $25 million a season. If you play on the same line at that cap hit, you cannot at any circumstances, be getting outscored at five on five. It cannot, like, can it happen in a game? Of course it can. Can it happen for a week? Of course it can. To your point, Father Christmas is coming soon, people. Like, look how, look how deep we're into the year now. Yeah. Something's got to give here. No, it's 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 not ideal. All right, let's talk about some of the other warts. Yes. <laughs> warts. Goaltending. Cold, uh, frog. The, 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 the numbers do back it up. Now, um, Joseph Wall's save percentage because of the strong start still at a well above average 910. Like mm-hmm. you get through a whole season, Joseph Wall's save percentage is 910. I, I, I guess it's a successful season yep. from Joseph Wall, Hand despite tree. the fact that, as you rightly point out, the saves above expected are very low. Not as low as Ilya Samsonov. And as a team... So quickly, I just have that in front of me here right now. Goal differential above expected, the Leafs. So it's 23rd they sit, but they are in the negative in that category. Uh, top of it, 
Vancouver Canucks at a plus 25.3. So yeah. maybe keep tabs on that. So that's, uh, they're not making any saves above expected. They are allowing goals above expected. So that's not good. That's, that sounds like below average goaltending. The overall save percentage would lead you to that same conclusion. It's under 900 for the season. But beyond that, Brent, mm. and again, despite the uncertainty going into last season with the goaltending, that I think... You had, like, once Ilya Samsonov had kind of established himself Mm -hmm. as a guy that rightly bet on himself and was having a good season, you felt confident with him and Ned when he was healthy. And honestly, when Matt Murray was healthy at times, you're like, oh, that's a guy that can win you a hockey game, can make a a big save at at times last season. You go into a hockey game, and you don't know if your goal is going to cost you the game or not this season. I I need an extended, strong period of, of play from one of these two guys to feel otherwise right now it's very possible that in a over the course of a 60 minute hockey game one of these guys is going to cost you a game yeah the way they're going right now that is absolutely how it looks and you know it's funny because this is just kind of anecdotal and it kind of lines up but i also think it's kind of indicative of why it's been happening the leafs have what do we say five regulation wins this season that's right it feels like that's the amount of times I've watched the Leafs this year and from the jump. Now you're going to make fun of me and call me the goalie whisperer here, but where you watch the game in the first period and you go, hmm, I feel like they're getting saves tonight. It does kind of feel like, and not to the point where the other uh, 14 games have been disastrous, where from the jump you go, oh, this guy's going to kill the Leafs tonight. But it's been few and far between where early on you go, ooh, He's got it. This is going to be good. And you just saw that more often last year. To your point, you saw it with Murray. You saw it with Samsonov. It is an all-time miracle that they were able to cover each other off the way they were last year. Yeah. Because if you roll the dice just about any other way, they have no healthy goalies who can play at any given time last season. But it worked. This year, it's been the exact opposite. You've seen one guy have a good game and then come crashing back down to the earth. The other guy comes in and goes, ah, I'll have a good game only to have a good two periods and the third does them in or have a good game and then give the net right back. Like it has been a constant, you want it, you want it, you want it with the two of them looking like, it's almost like they're standing there at the, like the starting job is like the last donut in the break room. They're like, no, no, go ahead, please. You, (laughs) I'll take, I'll just, I'll do like a piece. I'm going to cut just a little piece off. You know, I, I know everybody points to the Bruins goaltending tandem and the way they, they handle those two goalies where it's basically one, one, one. Like everybody yep. alternates starts, yes. basically start to start. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an alternating situation in net for the Boston Bruins. Yep. I don't think the Maple Leafs necessarily want to do that. You know no. how I know that? Because beginning of the season, they didn't do that. Like no. there have been times where they've tried to hand the reins. Now, nobody's yes. starting obviously 50, 60 games mm-hmm. for, for this team. I mean – maybe close to 50. I mean, they play 82 yep. and barring injury, somebody's going to have more than the other guy. But I, I don't think Sheldon Keefe ideally wants to have a situation where he's alternating goalies. If somebody's out playing the other guy, I think he wants to give him like a couple of games in a row, maybe three in a row. Mm-hmm. And he just has not been given that opportunity because nobody's taken the reins and run with it. Well, and also let's not forget what, you know, we, we sit here and we do this every year of goaltending tandems and it's so important and you have to have two. You know what undid Boston in the playoffs last year? Mm-hmm. They couldn't get a save and Jim Montgomery couldn't figure out how to who to put in net on any given night. So, yeah, you want a tandem. Yes, you want two guys that you feel great about putting in on any given night. But you know what you want? You want one guy you feel way better about in the grand scheme of things. That is always what you want. Listen to Sheldon Keefe. Even when the team was treating Samsonov as the starting goalie, listen to how he talked about Joe Wall. 
In his mind, that was his starter. Has not panned out, and he's not going to behold himself to his preseason thoughts or whatever. But this is what you want. or, Or sorry, this is the exact opposite of what you want. Even Boston, the team that we hold up as the gold standard of goaltending tandems. Yeah. It undid them because they couldn't pick the hot hand or a hand couldn't get hot in the playoffs last year. So it is, you're right. Like You want to have two guys. You cannot, neither of these guys, I'd love to be wrong about this, but neither of these guys is going to be so undeniable at this mm. point in the season where you look at the other one and go, ah, who cares what you get from them? You'll live with your Michael Hutchison S right. start. That ain't happening with this group, okay? And be careful what you wish for if somebody doesn't poke their head up because, again, I'm going to just hammer the point home again. The Boston Bruins, who we talked about as de facto cup champs all season long, who got bounced in the first round of the playoffs, a massive part of that was their goaltending and that they couldn't get a save. Cuz now I know one of their guys won the Vesna, so right. you would think he'd be the guy. Yeah. But guess what? Wasn't. Didn't start game seven. Nope. Uh, so that's all the bad. Here's the good news. And like I'm not talking about it from a personal level. Okay, if John Klingberg is really struggling physically, like I don't want that. But here's the good news: is 4.1 million is not an issue right now. And I guess according to Elliot Friedman, this is a big week for him as far as deciding whether he's going to go under the knife okay, or what okay. the long term okay. decision making is around no, John Klingberg right now. Do you have any belief anything comes out this week other than see you later, John Klingberg for the year? I, I was going to pose you the same question. It, the, there is 100% certainty we've seen the last of John Klingberg. That's what, if you just listen to the way people are talking about this, it's that the league is keeping close tabs. It's that they cannot immediately rule him out. It feels like this is just a waiting game for the Leafs personally. Cause I, I and by the way, I, this is maybe just inside baseball for us. Mm-hmm. That was one of the great, Uh, 32 thoughts intermission reports of all time. (laughs) I didn't see it live. I just watched it on my phone. Yeah. Frege was on fire during Mm -hmm. that thing. He was so crisp. It was so smooth. Just Mm -hmm. man, he's good at TV. And I don't need to butter him up because he doesn't come on the show, but, but I got to tell you, it was just an incredible performance by him, but the Klingberg news of it all, it really does feel like that's that we're going to play a waiting game. We're all going to do the thing where you go, who knows getting Mm -hmm. some tests. I heard he's doing yoga, stretching, Mm -hmm. Oh, what a shock he's yeah. done for the year. That That's how it feels like it's going to happen to me. And if the league has an issue with this, after I watch Nikita Kucherov skating around for three to four weeks heading no. into the playoffs, and it won't happen, but I just would like to pre-complain about something in case I don't get the chance to. No, we are, we are talking about guys that's had hip surgery before, yeah, right? I, like I know. There, there's there's you don't plausible need to, deniability ben, here. Ben, you don't need to sell me <laughs> on it. Yeah, I... Those long flights. He had to go to <laughs> Sweden Honestly, and back okay. from Sweden. I, <clears throat> I'd like to come to the mic uh, to say something. It's very hard for, for me to admit this. And again, uh, this goes with the caveat of, of course, we hope John Klingberg uh, is healthy in his day-to-day life, mm-hmm. but not healthy enough to play hockey for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. Thank God for that Sweden trip. Mm-hmm. We got to book one every year in case the Leafs have a contract they don't like so they could just start poking him and prodding him mm-hmm. during the flight, putting stuff under like one of his butt cheeks while he's sleeping. So oh, it throws maybe, the back. You know out. what? Maybe they put him in like in coach <laughs> on that flight just to ex- exacerbate the hip injury. Like, John, you're going, you're tall. You're going in here. He's like, this is where the luggage goes guys. <laughs> yeah. Again, hope uh, John yeah, Klingberg well. it, uh, isn't using a cane or something, but yeah, 
Um, that's the last we'll see of him as a Toronto Maple Leaf. That it would nothing I I think would shock me more than him <laughs> returning at some point this season. He done. Um, the Oilers not done. Again, more regulation wins mm-hmm. than the Toronto Maple Leafs as they pick up a big one yesterday over the Ducks. Eight two. They've now won consecutive games in pretty dominating Oilers-esque fashion because yep. Connor McDavid is Connor McDaviding again. <laughs> Five point night for him. One goal, four assists. Connor McDavid fighting. Two, goal, two goals for Zach Hyman as well. Yes, yes. Don't bury the lead. Come Sorry, on. Zach Hyman uh, is going to score 40 goals this year, I <laughs> guess. I, sure, why not? Um, Connor McDavid yes. fighting for his playoff life. Mm-hmm. Night in, night out. Yes. Is must-watch television it's the amazing. rest of the way. It's amazing. I uh, thank God Eagles and Bills wasn't the Sunday nighter because I really wanted to watch a lot of that Oilers game that was on after it. I uh, That would, ended after Raptors. Like, it was... <laughs> it is remarkable to watch somebody who, and you know, this is again, we're, we're happy. The Leafs aren't in this situation. Like let's all be reminded of that. Mm. But, but this is what the difference is between a team that kind of knows, all right, we could play patty cake through the regular season and go about and get our, but maybe be careful what you wish for. Cause buddy, it's not a certainty. Look at the Eastern yeah, conference I know. right uh, now. This is what I'm getting at is that this is the difference between a team that thinks they're to a certain extent, not home and cooled by any means, but man, we've never even struggled to make the playoffs. The one year that we were maybe going to have a struggle to make the playoffs was the Florida Pan- was the year of the bubble mm. and the Florida Panthers were coming. And I still think they were going to get in that year, but there was a, a bit of a question mark, but then COVID hit and the season got, got, got can or ended and was shortened and we never had to worry about that here it is a very different animal in Edmonton to watch the best player in the world and you know I'm not going to go overboard to say like it's game seven of the Stanley Cup finals every night it's kind of like game one of the playoffs every night for him because he knows this is it like it's got to be him it's got to be Leon it's the way it's always been with that team is that the big boys have to carry him and yeah watching McDavid Anytime you see any of these guys, be it Sid, be it McDavid. I mean, I'm sure we'll say this about Bedard in a couple of years. It's just, he don't play in games that matter yet. Mm-hmm. Anytime you see him with that extra gear, that extra give a bleep, it's incredible to see. And then, especially when you put it that way, the give a crap factor, it's like, it does bode to conversations about this core and the way you see it and all that. Yeah. Uh, one little thing on that Leafs team that was trending towards maybe missing the playoffs. Mm. You know, that was taking calls on Tyson Berry. That yeah. was just trying to get rid of Tyson Berry yep. before COVID shut down the season. That team probably deserved to miss the playoffs. And- oh, I d- deserve and would very different things. That's <laughs> I don't disagree with the <laughs> deserve on part. points with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Again, <laughs> deserve yeah. and would very different. And secondarily, yeah, okay, the Leafs aren't fighting this giant uphill battle that the Oilers are fighting. They're in the last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Three points separate eighth from 13th in the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference right now. So it's it's not the same. It's not like, yeah, you you need to go on like a seven-game winning streak to get yourself back into a position that you expected to be at this point in the season. But, yeah, a bad week here, and all of a sudden, yep. it's it's serious, serious stuff. It seems pretty serious when, again, you're talking about the most disappointing team in the league having one more regulation win than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Half of their wins have come in overtime and shootouts. Yeah. But they've won those games. All right. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back... Raptors enjoyed life at 500 for one game. Back below it after a loss to the Cavs. Uh, that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. 
big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five nine of the fan Ben and his Brent Gunning. So the Raptors were on a nice little run of offense, right? They were scoring a bunch of points. They were shooting a pretty high percentage over their previous four games before yesterday. Yeah. Turns out that the Cavaliers are not the Pistons or the Pacers mm-hmm. or the Bulls and the Magic were in that span as well. Yes. No, they, they, they're, I know this year, a pretty mediocre or middling defensive team, but last season, a very good defensive team, and they shut down the Raptors to the tune of a... Uh, a game that finished uh, in the low hundreds, 100, 105 to 102, as the Raptors dropped eight and nine on the season. Go under though. I, I I did not look at the total ahead of time, but I feel like it was probably two twenty ish something in there. I feel like we should have a lot more money than we have, considering this, that's been our hobby horse. The worst part about this is I did this all summer on in this time slot with the Blue Jays, where I just said, "Ah, just take the under every day forever." If I would have just bet, I. This is both the thing I wish I knew most in the world and it would probably uh, drive me to a grave is like if I would have just taken a dollar and bet it on the Blue Jays under the first day I started saying that and yeah. then just like do you the whole roll your winnings over. No, I st- again, like my family, they would not be wanting me pacing around the house at six in the morning being like, ah, the Leafs, ah, football, the Eagles. So I would, I'd need to know something, right? I, I would, yeah. You'd be a lot more financially secure. We for can, sure. We can say that <laughs> for sure. Let me tell you this much. I would never dare attempt to do anything handy again in my life yeah. if I did that. You pay people to do that for oh, you. Oh, yeah. All right, so the Raptors, the definition of a 500 team. I know they're a game under 500, but this is this is life as, as, the, as a Raptors observer. Say, mid, as the kids say. They're extremely mid, and that's fine for certain teams. Even the Cavs, who were a 50-win team a season ago, they bowed out in the first round of the playoffs, yep. so that was disappointing. But you get like they they're still a Evan Mobley and you know Darius Garland and they got Donovan Mitchell. Like there's still pieces there, and mm-hmm. it's not you know there's not guys with pending contract decisions and the whole thing about to come out come mm-hmm. apart at the seams at the trade deadline. For the Raptors to be what we expected this season, I, I got to tell you, after watching them win a title, after watching them before that win a bunch yep. of 50, have a bunch of 50 win seasons and convince yourself that this was going to be the year that they got over LeBron mm-hmm. James. Watching this, considering the investment that would have to take place to keep this core yep. in place. Oh, my. I, 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 okay, I'm going to watch. And certainly there's the possibility that they work themselves out of the doldrums. I think I have enough of a sample now to realize what I'm watching here. And I, I, I got to say, I don't want to see it too much more. I, uh, I, I mean, I think anybody, anybody who's been an observer of this team knew that this was a very real possibility. We could all talk ourselves into the vibes. That was the first thing uh, that, that we were told to attempt to talk ourselves into. And okay, maybe a better version of Scotty Barnes. That actually has come to fruition a little uh, bit at times. Although, I mean, you know, start the season, he had yep. six of his first seven games, 20 points. Mm-hmm. He's now got only one 20-point game in his last six. Yep. And he has taken a step back, but I think all, all in all this season, he's taken a step forward. He hasn't been the guy he's was in the first six or seven sure. games. He's a better, better version of himself. shooting is definitely taking a step forward. Right. But it's the same thing we talk about. 
This is a star league. Okay, we can sit here and talk about shooting. We could talk about the bench depth. And maybe that's the reason why they're a 500 team instead of being, I don't know, four or five games above 500. But it's all about your stars in this league, okay? And the Raptors have, I don't know, two and a half of them. And take that as a slight to whichever of the three you want it to be because they're all kind of like 0.75 stars at this point in OG, Pascal, and and Scotty. Two of them don't fit together. Occasionally it works on a night with Pascal and with Scotty where you go, oh, look at this. They fed off one another. But even those nights, they don't feed off one another. They just stay out of one another's way. Mm. The pieces do not fit. The idea that you're going to extend Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and pay into the luxury tax to get smoked in the first round or maybe, maybe scrape out a win and then get the wheels beaten off of you in the second round. Why would anyone sign up to do that? Again, I think the only way you see this core not blowing up, and we've said this a million times, I know, but if it's Masai goes into the boardroom and basically uses the clout that he has and says, I know everyone's been sitting here saying, I'm, I'm going to trade Siakam, I'm going to trade him, I'm going to trade him. I can't trade him now, his value's too low. We have to extend him and then trade him. That is the only way this happens. And let me tell you, that isn't happening. I guarantee you he's going to fight for that. I would think he's going to ask for that. I would. Yeah. But there's no way it happens because no one in their right mind would be paying a luxury tax for this team right now. No. Uh, we're just counting down the days like it, until there is a, a, a big change in the core of this Raptors team. Uh, this is, again, a, a Raptors team that gave up his first-round pick. Uh, and the Akapertal trade, and good for him. He's turned around recently, maybe played his best game of the season yesterday against the Cavs team. Also, hey, they missed all the free throws in the world, right? Yep. The, the ninth time this season they've shot under 70% from the free throw line this season, which yep. is, it's the most in the NBA, and in obviously in a one-possession game, mm-hmm. that's pretty impactful. So you can point to that as being a reason why you lose a game to a team that you expect to be on the same mm-hmm. sort of level as you in the Eastern Conference. I don't care. Again, like I've seen the heights that this team can reach. I got, I, And I could have accepted this type of record, this type of viewing experience, if it was just nothing but young players, right? right. Like, say there was no Pascal Siakam, right. specter of the contract looming, and mm-hmm. no OG and well, OG and Obi is a different case. Very because different. I, I feel like the Raptors are going to put forth a concerted effort. Like, if he's not traded at the deadline, and I know they can't offer him the extension That's that, the problem, yeah. that he is going to earn mm-hmm. in the offseason. But, yeah, him... Being attached to Scotty Barnes as the the new young core going Very forward, here for that. That that makes a little more sense. But yeah, I if if you're not going to be a contender and there's not a lot of young upside that we're banking on and, and interested in watching on a nightly basis, like it, being mid ain't yep. doing it for me. There's lots of teams that could be perfectly fine being mid at this point yep. in their development. Now the Orlando Magic, I would have said, are one of those, but mm-hmm. they've like won seven straight, the second team in the Eastern Conference right now. This is this is tough. This is a tough watch for this Raptors team, especially considering, which to me was the bigger takeaway of the weekend. Mm. Grady Dick makes his G League debut. Yeah. And I was doing a little texting with Mr. G League, Mr. Raptors 905, Blake Murphy. Should have should just said sources. Man, not good you would not, have said. Well, listen, I, I'm sure, and Blake said he's working on a piece that's going to appear on sportsnet.ca about that maybe that game in particular sure. putting it into context and and how the G League has been used as um a proven grounds yep. for a lot of Raptors that have gone on to great things including Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. who've been great down there other guys not so much 
But Grady Dick went down to the G League because he obviously was not impacting the NBA team at the moment. They wanted mm -hmm. to give him some run and give him a chance to get his legs under him. Um, he was 1 of 12, missed all six three-pointers he took, uh, and he had three turnovers in the game. I was texting Blake. I was like, hey, is this like a common occurrence for mm -hmm. a first-round pick to go down to the G League? And yep. even in one game, I get it. It's one sample. But like to have a game like this is like, no. Outside of Bruno Caboclo, this does not happen. Oh, now, that's great. Now, no, granted, no, awesome. the sample is is small of, of Raptors' first-round picks that have played in the G League, but guys have done it. And, yeah, Pascal Siakam was not a lottery pick. He was a first-round pick. Dominated the G League. It's one game, but, man, if you thought there was one thing that was going to be ready-made for Grady Dick, it was the shooting stroke. Mm -hmm. To be as poor as he's been in the NBA – to be as poor as he's been in one game in the G League, I got to say, I'm very much on bust watch now. Bust watch is fine. You could be there from the jump. Um, I'll be honest. The second uh, I saw the suit and the TikToks, I might have uh, at least found out how to get on bus watch. That's what I would have done there regarding Brady Dick. The I, the thing I come, I look at with this, and this is not to disagree with Blake. Like, obviously, Blake has a much better handle on this with me or than me. But I think the thing about Grady Dick versus maybe some other players, a guy like Pascal Siakam, for example, is that Grady Dick, in a perfect case scenario, is a complementary piece. Like, maybe, maybe there's a 1% world where he becomes this kind of lead guard kind of... But nobody talks about him that way. He's a shooter, he's a longish wing, but he's never going to be a lead guy. So you are there feeding off of looks from your teammates. And the shooting thing, I actually am way more concerned about than the idea of him struggling in one G League game. You know, you've heard guys. Yeah, but think, six from three what, in the G League. Uh, well, this is what I've been saying. It's, we've talked to, I think it was Will Lou we, were, we brought this up with last time he was on, but former Raptor C.J. Miles. He was on a podcast before the season started talking about he sees a hitch in the shot. It's a common thing. It's something that can be ironed out of a shot. But when you're a shooter and you have a hitch in the shot from the jump and maybe... You're having shot doctors work, not maybe, definitely having shot doctors work with you who, you know, like this is what NBA teams do. They develop you. They have all the time in the world to work with you that I do wonder if it's getting in his head a little bit of this is the stroke I had in college. This is the stroke I have now. The one game I'm not going to go panic on, but the start of the career in general has just been jarring. You're right. You shouldn't judge a guy off of one game. But I'm gonna do that. Like, go honest, for it. Like, I'm not. Don't take this as me telling you okay, not to. This I is, love you doing this, this. This is this is a first round pick, and yeah, you want to talk about expectations between he and and Pascal Siakam and how they were different. You're right. Grady Dick was expected more of. Mm -hmm. Like, there's more expected out of Grady Dick than Pascal Siakam, who turned himself into an all star and a borderline max player. Yep. Right. Like, there's just no question about it. Like, Pascal Siakam is an NBA player. I mean, it wouldn't have been an abject disaster if he wasn't mm -hmm. considering his draft position. Totally. Turned himself into what he's been, and yeah, is it the, the best player on a championship team? No, but it's as a starting player on a championship sure. team, right? And it, sure. it's 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 not fun to, to watch him be the best player mm -hmm. on on this Raptors team, but I guarantee you where he goes next is if, if it's a winning environment, he's going to thrive. He's going to be a good player. Yep. Uh, he, he was no guarantee to be that when he was drafted by the Toronto Raptors and when he was developed by the Toronto Raptors, which involved a trip to the G League. When he was in the G League, he ripped it up. Yep. Because those guys are inferior players. Those guys are not NBA players. But I also look at just 
again, look at the type of player. And again, he's turned himself into this now. So it's not fair to me to think of him as the fully formed entity. But it's like Pascal Siakam is a, you know, NBA Heights, whatever, 6'10-ish guy who's long, who's rangy. Grady uh-huh. Dick is a spot-up shooter. Like, that is what he's the there shot, like, to do. But now we're, we're talking about a couple of months into the season, and he, and he hasn't hit the well, shots. And, this is, and the other thing I'm very concerned about, with, I, maybe the thing I'm most concerned about with somebody like him is, how did he think this was going to go? Yeah. He comes up here, and again, like, you know, I am not begrudging the kid for doing any of the social media stuff. I don't care. But it's like, He's like the star of the show at Carabana. He's taking pictures yeah. with everybody. And now he's playing in a gym in Dude. Mississauga with thousands of people there. And it probably feels like he is at one of the lesser schools in the Big 12 that he would have played at mm-hmm. in Kansas. No, life comes at you fast. Like, and yeah, nobody did he think this was going to go? Nobody's giving up on the guy. But this can be like a a negative feedback loop here totally, too, right? Totally. Like if you go down to the G leg, you're like, oh, that sucks. But it's okay. I'll put up a bunch of points. And you have one of the worst games yep. in... NBA prospect has ever had for the Raptors in that league in a single game. Like, again, we're talking about, like, Bruno Caboclo is the only comparable to what Grady Dick did in the G League on Saturday. Mm. It, it really, it's, yeah, it's a point. You're right. Yeah, it really, it, it's, there's, I doubt we're going to see too many TikToks going forward. Like, yeah, I don't. I, I actually, I feel like we need a reporter on that. For all I know, he's doing more down there because he's like, I hate it. I need to do something to make me make me happy. I doubt it. But yeah, it's early. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, point to the prospect that has gone down to the G League. Again, mm-hmm. you're right, like one game. But show me the guy who's turned himself into a viable NBA entity that's gone down to the minor league, which yeah. it's, this is not like the other sports yeah, where yeah, guys right. oftentimes spend time in the G League and had even one game like that and been relevant. Didn't happen for Pascal Siakam. Didn't happen for Fred Van Vliet, who wasn't even drafted. Yep. Did happen for Bruno Caboclo. Guess what happened? He's not an NBA entity. Okay. Yeah. That's that might be what we're looking at. It's an, it is it is entirely possible. I think a lot of people from the jump were concerned is too strong of a term, but we're unsure of what the 13th overall pick was going to net you. And I think the thing that, again, just to hammer all my kind of perspective on this, the thing they need to be the most mindful of is it's like, it's not the player. It's the person at this point in time. Like whatever you think of him as a shooter, mm-hmm. you got to make sure his head is right now, because to your point, like going down there, okay, I'm going to dominate. And he doesn't, you, this is a very kind of important time in his development to not to say you don't not to say you coddle him and go, Oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. We'll bring you mm. up to the NBA. But you, you like confidence is such an important thing for a shooter. Everything that we heard about Grady Dick at the beginning of the season was, Hey, he's missing it, but he's still shooting it. And that's the thing you need to see the most. If he's open, he has to let it fly. And if that goes away, that is when he's truly, truly broken. Yeah. I, I don't think we see him back in the NBA before. Like there's a good run of success in the mm-hmm. G because uh, to your point, he needs to uh, have his confidence built up a little bit. Uh, so do the Toronto Maple Leafs, who again have one fewer regulation win than the Edmonton Oilers after a regulation loss to Kyle Dubas's Pittsburgh Penguins. Back into the Leafs uh, with Gord Stelic next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.